0: Well, good morning, Genesis. My name is Michael. I serve here as one of the pastors, and sincerely, thanks for taking time on a Sunday morning uh, to be with us. If you're new to the community, like today's your first day, awesome. Thanks for coming to visit us. I hope that in the moments you've already been here that you have been encouraged. One of the questions that I have been waiting to ask the entire month of January is this, so what happened What happened for you in the first 21 days of January? How did you see God move, or how did you see God maybe move you? Or how did you see in the first 21 days of January, maybe something that God encouraged you with, something that God taught you that was brand new, or maybe that you just needed to relearn again, or something maybe that God even challenged or inspired you with? Now, if you're here today and like today is your very, very first day at Genesis, this question is coming from, we spent the first 21 days as a church in prayer. We spent the first 21 days just in an intentional and very focused saying, hey, we want to start not just the new year, but we want to start a new decade in prayer. And so we invited people specifically, hey, take 21 minutes a day. Morning, afternoon, evening, whenever you want, take 21 minutes a day and just enjoy some extended time with God in prayer. We invited people to, at noon, every day for 21 days, just to enjoy 21 seconds of prayer where you could pray the Lord's Prayer. Then we invited people, there's three Friday nights in our 21 days, let's get together as a church for an extended time of just worship, but also a very focused time of prayer. We also invited people who wanted to join this part of it is to say, hey, let's take day 7, day 14, and day 21, which was all Tuesdays, and let's just fast. Let's enjoy a time where we can set something aside, whether it's food or just something else, just to have an even more heightened or focused time of prayer. Now, during these times of prayer, 21 minutes a day for 21 days, we invited people to ask God one question. And the one question that we asked people to go to God with was this, how shall I invest in the kingdom of God this decade? Not just like this month or not even just this year, but God, how would you want me to invest in your kingdom over the next 10 years, over this next decade? Now, this question that we invited everyone to pray about was not just a Random, a good question, but it wasn't some random question for me. It actually came from a place of deep conviction. And what I mean by that is this past fall, I became increasingly aware of how little I actually paid attention to the one thing that Jesus said, Michael, if you're going to follow me, this is what you are to seek first above everything else. And the one thing that Jesus told us to seek first above everything else was the kingdom of God. And I just had this incredible conviction of, I don't think about the kingdom of God on a day-to-day basis. I'm not even sure I was thinking about it on a week-to-week basis. It just it wasn't language that I was using to kind of navigate how I walk through any given day. Now, the verse that we looked at is Matthew 6, verse 33. Seek the kingdom of God above all else Live righteously, and He will give you everything that you need. Now, if you were just to do a a study of the things that Jesus talked about in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you would see that Jesus told us to do a lot of things, to love God with all our heart, mind, soul, strength, to love our neighbor. You would see that Jesus talked about the importance of forgiving people and doing that unconditionally. You would see that Jesus talked a lot about serving and serving sacrificially and giving and giving generously to all people. But the one thing that Jesus told us to seek first above everything else was the kingdom of God. Now, what I became increasingly aware of this past fall is that the kingdom of God was not something that was really on my radar, and as I said, something I didn't think too much about. And so the one question I really began wrestling with was this. How could I not even be thinking about the one thing that Jesus tells me to seek first above everything else? Like, it's just one thing. How could I not be thinking about that? How could I not be living or orienting my life that way? And I think the answer came really quickly is because I was consumed with second things. Rather than thinking about the first thing, I was consumed with second things, and I put in the bucket of second things just things that I wanted to have, things that I thought I needed, things that I wanted to do or things that I just wanted to see happen. And so the question, the heart behind the question of how shall I invest in the kingdom of God really was born from a place of I don't want to waste another minute of my life making it about my plan, making it about my agenda, making it about my wants and my wishes, but to invest in one thing. That Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, seek first above everything, the kingdom of God. So let me re-ask the question, what happened for you in the first 21 days of January? I've been asking people uh, this past week, uh, hey, what was it like for you in 21 days? And the responses that I got from people uh, varied from person to person, as you can imagine. A couple of people said, Michael, it was amazing like a truly transformational 21 days of prayer. I just learned things and saw things about God that I just didn't know. It was absolutely awesome. Some people said, man, I just didn't do it. Sorry, but wasn't feeling it. Like I just had other things going on in my life in January, and I just didn't even cross my mind to do 21 days. Some people said, Michael, well, I tried. Like I gave it my best effort, but I don't really think anything necessarily happened, so I'm not really sure how to answer that question. And some people just said, I did like part of it. So I didn't do 21, but I did a day here, and I did a day there. Now, safe to say, we all are going to have different experiences from our 21 days of prayer. There's not a cookie-cutter answer that I was looking for. 21 days of prayer, it was just an invitation, It was an invitation simply to encounter God in a fresh way, specifically seeking God and asking God, God, how do you want me to invest? Like if there's one thing, how do you want me to invest in the one thing that you said I should seek first above all things? For me, I'm not sure I would actually use words like, it was incredible, or I certainly wouldn't use words like, it was absolutely awesome and amazing. The adjectives that I am using is, it was pretty eye-opening. It was a pretty eye-opening 21 days. It was pretty revealing. It was very challenging for me, actually, and very convicting. The two things that I specifically wanted to share with you today was what my eyes were open to. Number one was this. Prayer is not as complicated as I make it to be. Prayer is not as complicated as I often make it to be. I think for many, many years, the battle that I had going on in my head and in my heart was, I'm just not that good at prayer. And when I would even think about praying, I'm like, I'm pretty confident God's really disappointed in my prayers because I sometimes am praying for like two minutes, three minutes, and I'm like, wait, I think I've been daydreaming for the last three minutes. I started off in a direction of praying, but then my mind just started wandering in a different direction. And all these ideas and attitudes that I had about prayer only complicated something for me that's really not that complicated. Prayer is God's invitation to be with Him. So, when we read that verse on the wall that says 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, never stop praying, like when we read those three words, never stop praying, what God is saying to us is never stop being with me. Never stop being with me. I absolutely love the 21 minutes of, of prayer each day. It was good to have a focused, set time of prayer. But clearly, prayer doesn't end when 21 minutes ends. The invitation to never stop being with God is, when you're at home, never stop being with Him. When you're at work, wherever that might be, never stop being with God. When you're at school... Never stop being with God. No matter where you are, no matter what you're doing, and whomever you are doing it with, God's invitation to you and to me is so simple. Never stop being with me. But what I noticed that happened every single day during the 21 days of prayer was this I was invited to be with so many other things every single day. Email, Michael, come be with me. Look at all of these unopened messages you have. Come spend some time with me. Or text message, Michael, come be with me. There's some new emojis and GIFs that people are going to love that you can send them. Or Michael, Facebook and Instagram, come be with me. Like, you got to read all the new political opinions that your friends have and what they had for lunch today. Like, come be with me. Or Netflix. Michael, come be with me. Look at the new thousand shows that were just added today. You'll never watch any of them, but it's, you just need to know that they're there. I just saw over and over and over, constantly invited to be with this and do this and do this. So many invitations. And what I saw time and time again, is that if I follow down the path of being with those things first, prayer didn't happen. Prayer just didn't happen. The invitation from God to all of us, it's not complicated. It's not complicated at all. God is inviting you, and He's invited me to never stop praying, to never stop being with Him. Second thing that I learned afresh in these 21 days was the Lord's prayer is a powerful prayer to pray every single day. The Lord's prayer, the way that Jesus taught us to pray, is a powerful prayer to pray every single day. I think one of the most favorite things during the 21 days of prayer was stopping at noon every day to pray the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray, and every time my watch would go off at 11:59 a.m., just reminding me, hey, in one minute, stop what you're doing. If you're in the middle of a meeting, stop the meeting and just get ready to enter into a time of prayer. Every time my watch went off, my first question or my first thought was, why haven't I been doing this for years? Like, why haven't I been stopping, whether it's at noon or some point in the day, just to enter into a very intentional, focused time of prayer? Now, if you would have interviewed me prior to January 1st about the Lord's Prayer, I would have told you, honestly, I'm familiar with the Lord's Prayer. I've prayed the Lord's Prayer, but it's not something that I'm actively doing even on a month-to-month basis. Because when I thought about the Lord's Prayer, I'm like, yeah, that's like a really traditional thing that traditional people do. That's not something that I necessarily do. It's a good thing, but it wasn't even on my radar as a prayer that I should be praying and even thinking about every single day. But wow, as I went through 21 days of prayer, walking through the Lord's Prayer, man, I learned that this prayer is a reminder to me of who God is, what God has done, what God is inviting me into. It was such a powerful prayer to pray every single day. If you're not familiar with the Lord's Prayer, let me read. It's in Matthew chapter 6, starting at verse 9. Jesus is teaching His followers about prayer. And Jesus says, pray like this, Our Father in heaven, may Your name be kept holy. May Your kingdom come soon. May Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need, and forgive us our sins." As we have forgiven those who sin against us, and don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one every day at noon as I 'm praying that, and I would begin with just the the word "our." It was such a powerful reminder, Michael, it's not just you and God, it's us and God. Yes, I, I have a personal relationship with God, but my personal relationship with God is not disconnected from our Father. It's our walk with God. And there was just something so powerful knowing that at noon, the potential that there was hundreds of people that were stopping what they were doing to join me in prayer. Like that was amazing to me, mind-blowing to me that there's people in Boston and spread out the greater Boston area that have stopped what they're doing at noon to enter into just a moment to pray together. Now, 21 days has come and passed, but if you're interested, I'm going to do this every day at noon. I have no idea why I haven't been doing it anyways, but if you want to join me at noon, I'm going to continue to pray the Lord's Prayer each day at noon. And then the next word that we see in this prayer is Father. And wow, how I needed to be reminded that God is not some just distant being who's not interested in me or the day that I'm walking through, but every time I would pray Father, It reminded me of the gift that we have in God, that we get to call God, Dad. And it was such a powerful moment just to say, Dad, I'm having one of those days. Dad, I really need you right now. Would you help? Would you lead? God, Father, Abba, Dad, I need you in this moment. And then when I would pray in heaven, just those two words reminded me that there is no one more powerful than my dad. There is no one who has greater authority than my dad. There is no one who is in more control of all things at all times than my dad, than my father, than God who is in heaven. And then I would pray, your name be kept holy. And then I would be convicted. And I was reminded, God, I bear your name on my life. God, I don't want to do anything in my day. I don't want to say anything. I don't want to react to someone in a way that could potentially dishonor you and your name. And then I would pray, God, your kingdom come. And when I prayed that, what I was asking God to do is, God, invade every space and place in my life right now. Invade every space and place in my life. And what I was asking Jesus to do is, I really want your rule and your reign to be seen and felt in the rest of this day. And then I would pray, your will be done. Wow, what a way to reorient your heart and mind in the middle of your day. How quickly I shifted from praying that to be like, well, I'm still working my agenda. I'm still working my plan, still working my purpose. But when I would pray, your will be done, it was so powerful just to remind myself, God, I don't want my plan. I don't want my purpose. I don't want my agenda. I really want Your will, your plan, your purpose, your agenda to be perfectly lived out today, not mine. And then I would get to the part of daily bread, daily food. And every time I would say, God, would you provide my daily need? I was reminded of he did it yesterday. And it just filled me with a sense of gratitude that God met the needs that I had yesterday, whether it was a physical or emotional or spiritual or mental relational need God, yesterday was faithful, and so I prayed with gratitude. God, I don't even know what my daily needs are. You do, so would you meet them? And then I'd get to the part of the prayer that simply said, forgive us our sins. Wow, talk about a heart check. You cannot pray that part of the Lord's Prayer and be reminded, I am a sinner who sins every day and is in desperate need of God's grace. So every time I would say, God, would you forgive me for my sins, it reminded me a dose of humility to say, God, I am a sinner, and I have sin, so God, would you please forgive me for my sins? And by asking God for his forgiveness daily, it reminded me that, Michael, I don't need to walk around with a lot of guilt and a lot of shame and a lot of condemnation because my father, my dad, is so generous unconditionally to forgive. And as I would pray, God forgive me, I was reminded again afresh of what my forgiveness cost God, that His Son was sent to live a perfect life, die on a cross, so that you and I could be forgiven. So I was reminded just in the forgive me of my sins, of the gospel message, and it filled me with gratitude again of the grace that God has given to me in His Son. And then I'd get to the part where it says, as we forgive those who have sinned against us. I don't know what your day looks like, but it's easy to walk around through a day and get really frustrated with people, get really annoyed with people for what they have said to you or what they haven't said to you. And it's really difficult to pray as I forgive those who have sinned against me. And as I would pray that prayer, I would be reminded afresh, who am I to withhold forgiveness from somebody? Because when I went to my father just a moment ago and said, would you forgive me? His answer is absolutely yes, every time. So how could I possibly hold a grudge? How could I possibly withhold forgiveness when God has not withheld that from me? And what was powerful about praying as I forgive those, God, in the same way that you've forgiven me I'm just, I was free from bitterness, and free from anger, and free from the thoughts of what I wanted to say to that person, what I wanted to do to that person, because I'm not chained to that anymore. I've given grace as grace has been given to me. And then I would get to the final part of the prayer that talks about temptation, and God, rescue me from evil. And as I would pray that part of the prayer, I would be reminded afresh that there is a real enemy. And there is a real enemy who is seeking to derail God's work in my life that day. But as I would pray, God, would you rescue me from evil? As I prayed that, I was reminded that the battle that I'm walking in every single day, I don't fight alone. That there is never a moment in my day, no matter where I am, no matter who I'm with, that I am alone. And I would have courage as I prayed that, that, Michael, you don't fight alone. I've got you. I am with you. So as I learned over 21 days, the Lord's Prayer is a powerful prayer to pray every single day. Whether 21 days of prayer for you was an awesome experience or an experience that just didn't happen. Whether 21 days of prayer for you was like, I tried it, but I didn't see much or I tried a little like part of it. Whatever your experience was, I hope that as you continue to walk through the rest of 2020, you would be encouraged to remember that prayer is not as complicated as we often make it to be. It's an invitation from God to be with Him in every moment of every day, no matter where you are and who you're with. Be with God. And I hope that you would remember that the Lord's Prayer, as we pray that every single day, it is everything that we need to be reminded of who God is what God has done, and what God has for us. But what about the kingdom investment question? Because that was a big part of the 21 days. How, for me, am I answering the question of, God, how do you want me to invest in your kingdom this coming decade? And as I began to think about and wrestle with this question, how do you want me to invest in the kingdom, really another question came to mind is, well, how did Jesus do it? how did Jesus invest in the kingdom of God? What did that look like for Him? He lived amongst us for 33 years, so what did it look like for Jesus to invest in the kingdom of God? And my resolve was, well, however that question is answered, well, I'm going to do that. Whatever it looked like for Jesus, because I don't want to be the guy that's like, well, that was good for Jesus, but this is going to be my investment. I wanted my investment to reflect the investment that Jesus made in the kingdom of God. And so as I began praying and just reading through uh, the gospel accounts, I realized very quickly that you could summarize how Jesus invested in the kingdom of God with one word. And the one word was this, obedience. The way that Jesus invested in the kingdom of God while He was here on earth was through obedience. And I want to be really clear on obedience. I mean that Jesus did everything that God wanted Him to do, In the exact same way that God wanted him to do it. There was no deviation from God's plan and how Jesus lived. In John's gospel, just two examples, in John chapter 5, this is Jesus speaking. Jesus explained, I tell you the truth, the Son can do nothing by Himself. He does only what He sees the Father doing. Whatever the Father does, the Son also does. And then later in John's gospel, in John 12, I don't speak on my own authority. The Father who sent me has commanded me what to say and how to say it, and I know His commands lead to eternal life, so I say whatever the Father tells me to say. Jesus did, and Jesus said everything that the Father instructed Him to do and to say for one reason, because He knew that God's plan always advanced the kingdom of God. That's why Jesus said, I'm doing this, because His commands, they lead to eternal life. They lead to the kingdom of God. Every step of obedience that Jesus took was an investment in the kingdom of God. And I really want you to catch this. Every step of obedience, whether that be a step as simple as prayer, if you know that God is calling you to stop what you're doing, whether it's 12 o'clock in the afternoon or two in the morning, and he wakes you up and says, I just want you to come to me in prayer. Every time you're obedient to listen to God's invitation to join him in prayer, you just made an investment in the kingdom of God. If God impresses on your heart that he wants you to encourage someone, hey, I want you to stop what you're doing, pick up the phone, and call this person. Shoot them a text. Shoot them an email. Heck, write them a letter. Every time you pay attention and encourage that person that God impressed on your heart and your mind to do, you just made an investment in the kingdom of God. Every time that you engage someone in a conversation that you know God is wanting you to engage with, for example, in 20 minutes, we're all going to head out here into the open space. You're all going to see people that maybe you've never seen before, and you might hear God say to you, hey, you see that person over there? I want you to go say hello. I just want you to go say hello and introduce who you are to them. Every time you take a step of obedience to walk across the room and say hello to engage someone, maybe that you don't know and maybe it's someone you do know, you just made an investment in the kingdom of God. How about this one? Every time that you don't hit send on that email you just made an investment in the kingdom of God. You know the email where you want to give someone a piece of your mind, you want them to know how much they've hurt you or disappointed you or frustrated you, and and you know that God's saying, don't hit send, don't hit send, don't you dare hit send. Every time you choose not to hit send, you just made an investment in the kingdom of God. Money often has a huge hold on our hearts. And Every time God says, it's time to start writing some checks to give this away, to make a different investment. Every time you decide to give, to write that check, you just made an investment in the kingdom of God. How about, let's make this really practical. Every time you know that God is saying to you, hey, it's time to delete that app off your phone. It is time to get rid of that app. It is sucking your brain It is crushing your heart. It is time to get rid of that app on your phone. Every time you choose to hit delete on your app, you just made an investment in the kingdom of God. Every step of obedience that we take, every step of obedience we take, that is an investment in the kingdom of God. And anytime we invest in the kingdom of God, you're now advancing the kingdom of God here on earth. But What we also need to realize is the flip side of this. Every time I choose the path of disobedience, basically doing what I want to do rather than what I know God wants me to do, I just made an investment in a very different kingdom. Jeff Christofferson is a pastor-author, and he said this in his book called Kingdom Matrix. At any given moment, I am either expanding the kingdom of God or the kingdom of darkness. When I read that, I felt like someone punched me in the throat, because I don't like that. I I don't like when I read that at any given moment, I'm either expanding the kingdom of God or the kingdom of darkness. I like to think that maybe there's like a middle ground. Like that seems way too extreme. Just because I didn't delete an app, I'm somehow investing in the kingdom of darkness. That sounds a little bit too harsh and hardcore. But what I needed to realize, what God helped me realize over 21 days of prayer, is disobedience makes an investment in a very different kingdom. Because as I search the Scriptures, there's only two kingdoms. There's the kingdom of God, and then there's what the Scriptures call the kingdom of darkness. Obedience is an investment in the kingdom of God. Disobedience is an investment in the kingdom of darkness. There is no middle ground. The last question I want to finish with is simply this, which kingdom are you investing in today? Which kingdom are you investing in today? And if you want to know how to answer that question and to be honest with yourself in answering that question, you just got to look, am I walking in steps of obedience or am I just taking steps of disobedience? There's no middle ground. Obedience invests in the kingdom of God. Disobedience invests in the kingdom of darkness. This is why prayer is so crucial to our lives. It's very difficult to be obedient to God, to the things of God in any given moment throughout the day if I'm not consistently in a posture of prayer. Which kingdom are you currently investing in? I know for me, I've got a lot of room to grow, but I'm really excited to grow together that we as friends, as family, as church, as community, through obedience, through every step we take, We will continue to walk together taking steps of obedience. And please know, obedience is not just like this big abstract thing like you feel like, well, God's telling me to leave my job, sell all my possessions, and move to some part of the world where they need to hear the gospel. If God's telling you to do that, then do that. But sometimes I think we think like that to avoid the obedience in not hitting send, in not deleting that, or not watching this. Obedience, invest in the kingdom of God.